0: Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to uplevel your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hi, love. Welcome to episode 118 of the Money Love Podcast. All right, y'all. I have a fun episode planned for us today because we are going to switch gears a little bit this week. I know that a lot of weeks we talk about spending and really a lot of things related to spending, but this week I want to talk about saving money because it's actually a lot closer related to spending than a lot of us think that it is. And Every single month inside of the Overcoming Overspending membership, we do a lot of calls together. We normally in a given month, we'll have anywhere from like 10 to 12 coaching calls that we do. Some of them are what I call just an open call. So you can just come and ask and get coaching about anything money related. And then some of them are topic specific. So it's like, okay, this call, we're just talking about debt. This call, we're just talking about spending. But I did one about... Two weeks ago at this point, that was a saving call. And it has truly been one of my favorite calls to date, which actually really surprised me because, <laughs> again, I think a lot of us think about spending and saving as competing things against each other. And for those of us who really like to spend money, we look at savings in a certain light that makes saving money feel super unappealing to us. But I ended that call and I was like, that was just such a fantastic call. So I was like, we need to talk about this on the podcast because I feel like there is so much to say here, so much to unpack here. And then, probably like a day or two after that, I actually ended up finding this article that was written by this guy who works at YNAB. And I'm going to put the article in the show notes in case you want to go read it. I'm basically going to be reading you the entire article and this podcast today. So Truly, there's really no point in you going to read it unless you just want to reference it and send it to other people, which again, I'll put in the show notes for you to do that. But it really talked about savings in a way that really was beneficial to me. And it really challenged the way that I think about saving money. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you guys about how to make saving feel not only easy, but actually exciting which I know for a lot of you right now, that probably feels really foreign. That probably feels really far off from where you're currently at with saving money. But I hope by the end of this, saving will feel like something that not only is doable and attainable, but like I said, actually feels easy and exciting. So here's where I want to start today. When I did that call inside the membership, the first thing that we did on the call was I asked everyone on the call a couple questions, and I'm going to be sharing some of the responses with you because I think you will definitely identify and resonate with a lot of these. The first question I asked everybody on the call was, and it really wasn't a question, it was more so like, okay, I'm going to give you a sentence and I want you to complete this sentence. The first sentence was, saving money is dot, dot, dot. So I said saving money is and when I say that to you what's the first word or maybe you know a couple words after that that feel true to you about saving money. And the most common responses I got were saving money is necessary, responsible, and a requirement, obligation was also another word that I got a lot. Saving money is necessary, it's a requirement, it's an obligation, And it's the responsible thing to do. The next question that I asked was saving money feels dot dot dot. And the most common responses I got there were saving money feels hard, it feels difficult, and it feels impossible, which are all kind of variations of the same thing, right? But I think just the overall consentment was just saving money feels really hard, really challenging. And really impossible right now. I want you just to think about it in this context, right? If you are looking at saving money as something that not only feels really hard and really difficult and borderline impossible to do, but you're also viewing savings as something that is an obligation, it's necessary, it's a requirement, it's something that you have to do, it's the responsible thing to do. I first want to just bring to your attention, if this is how you're thinking about saving money, this could be why you're not super successful at this point with saving money. Now, I need to just remind all of you, okay? I know we talk about this like in every single episode, but it's just so key that we keep coming back here and reminding ourselves of this. Is that these are simply just all of your thoughts all of your beliefs. And actually a lot of these things, I wouldn't even put in the thought line, I would put in the feeling line, right? Especially when I asked you, saving money feels what, right? Like it feels hard, it feels difficult. Those things would actually go into our feeling line, but it could feel hard and it could feel difficult because it's like, well, this is necessary. This is an obligation. This is something that I should be doing, but I really don't want to be doing. Can you see that when you have certain thoughts and beliefs around saving, like that, how, of course, obviously it's going to feel hard, difficult, and impossible. And so the first place I want to start here is if saving feels unappealing to you, if it feels hard or difficult or impossible to you, I really, really, really want to challenge you to look at your mindset around saving money. How do you view saving money? Because the way that you view saving money will determine how saving money feels to you, how hard it feels to you, how easy it feels to you, how difficult or how effortless it feels to you. And I think a lot of us need to just hear, and trust me, myself included, that it's not just the construct of saving in and of itself. Like Saving money is just an action that we take. It's a result that we create which means it goes eventually into the circumstance line of a model, which means that it's just neutral. And the first thing I think we have to do is we kind of have to get to a point where we unload and we detach ourselves from all of these heavy associations that we have made to saving money. And trust me, I have done this as well. Because the more we continue to look at saving money as this burden, as this obligation, as something that we have to do, but we don't really want to do, it's always going to feel like an uphill battle. And the truth is, is that there is another way, right? There is another way to actually make saving money feel easy, feel effortless, and feel exciting. So in this episode today I want to go through both of these. I want to go through okay, how can we make this easy and how can we make this exciting? And I have a couple bullet points on each one of those. But before we actually get into that, I just want to talk and define saving. So here's how I want you to think about saving. All right? Saving money is simply income not spent. Saving money is simply deferred consumption, deferred consumption. Now, if you were to ask me probably a couple of years ago, what saving money meant, I think I probably would have told you saving money means that you take money and you stick it in a savings account, (laughs) right? Truly like that's how I viewed saving money. Now I simply view savings as income not spent. It's what I choose to keep in the present moment versus spending in the present moment. It's deferred consumption. I simply want you to think about saving money like anything you're not going to spend today in the present moment. And we do have different types of savings, right? In terms of like time horizons, we have short-term savings, we have medium-term savings, and we have long-term savings. To me, I think that short-term savings is any consumption that you are deferring for a year, a year or less. So it's any money that you're like, I'm not going to spend this today in the present moment, but I'm probably going to be spending this money within the next 12 months. I would say that short-term savings. I would say medium-term savings is any deferred consumption that is longer than like a 12 to 18 month time period. So, it's money that you're like, I'm probably not going to spend this money for 18 plus months from now. So, this could be like a larger financial goal that you're saving up for. Maybe it's a home down payment. Maybe it's a pool of money for, you know, you want to go back to school and fund further education, something like that. That would kind of be an example of medium term savings. And then, long term savings is any deferred consumption beyond 10 years in my book. That's kind of how I define it. So it's saying, okay, I'm not planning on using this money or spending this money for at least 10 years. So this is typically going to be money that you're putting into a brokerage account, into a 401k or an IRA. It's money that you're like, this is going to fund my lifestyle a long, long time from now, at least 10 years in the future. But I know for a lot of us, it's even longer than that. could be 30, 40, 50 years from now. Now I will tell you this, okay? In this episode, I'm not going to get into like a lot of the nitty gritty logistics of saving money. Because I've actually already done an episode on that. It's episode 26. So it's an episode that I dropped a long, long time ago, but it's still out there. I actually listened to it in preparation for this episode just to remind myself of what I actually talked about and what I covered in this episode so that I could make this episode different and unique. But as I was re listening to it, I was like, oh, this is a fantastic episode with a lot of really good, tangible information. So after this episode, you can go and listen to that one. Again, it's episode 26, so you gotta scroll back aways, but it's an episode called Saving Money. But in that episode, I break down like short term, medium term, long term, what that means, what that looks like, all in that episode. But bottom line, y'all, I just want you to think about saving money as deferred consumption. Deferred consumption. That's it. That's all saving money is. So once we know that, okay, all saving money is is deciding this is money that I'm not going to spend today. This is money that I'm going to spend in the future. I think that is a huge reframe, a huge reframe to start with versus like, oh, this is just money that I'm transferring from my checking account to my savings account. We're going to get into that a little bit, which kind of takes me in to the first point of this, right? So let's kind of start to talk about how do we make saving feel easy? I have three points for you here. The first point that I think is so important, and everybody on the call that we were doing was reiterating this to me, was like, yes, yes, this is so absolutely true for me, is that when you're saving money, it's really, really important that you know what you're saving for and you get as specific as you possibly can. Now, I know sometimes that's hard, especially with things like emergency funds, because we're like, well, this is just an emergency fund. It's for an emergency. I don't know what that emergency is going to be. I don't know if it's going to be something with my house or my car or my kids or my health or my dog. Like, I don't know. I'm just saving it for a general emergency that I don't know the specifics of, but I do know that it's coming. So sometimes, yes, it is hard to get specific, but my challenge to you is if it's possible to get specific, get as specific as you can. Because I think that when you know what you're saving for, and you can be crystal clear on that, it makes what you're saving for tangible. It makes it real. It makes it like, okay, this is something that I'm working towards. I have a vision. It's clear. It's specific. I can work towards it. I can see me inching closer to this savings goal. And this is why I'm such a fan of sinking funds, right? Like getting really, really specific on your sinking funds, which I've also done a past episode on. I want to say that's episode 43, 34 or 43. It's one of those. I don't know. Just go back a ways. You'll find it. But that's why I'm such a fan of sinking funds, y'all. Because I think that when you can get super, super clear about this pool of money is for my dogs. This pool of money is for my kids. This pool of money is for a trip that I'm going to be taking six months from now. I think when you can get really clear on saving, it makes it so much easier to save the money. It actually makes it more motivating to you when you actually know what you're working towards versus, oh, well, every single month I just transfer, you know, 200 bucks into my checking account. And that's honestly what I see with a lot of you guys. Like when I go and I talk to you and I work with a lot of you guys, what y'all tell me is like, oh, I get my paycheck and every single paycheck I get, I transfer. or I transfer $200 into my savings account. And trust me, that is not bad, (laughs) y'all. Okay. I don't want to say that that's bad, but also at the same time, what I typically find is that those are also the people that struggle the most with the ping pong game. I like to call it the ping pong match between your checking account and your savings account, where it feels like, okay, every time I'm paid, I'm just going to transfer $200 into my checking account. But then until I'm paid again, I'm constantly moving money in and out from my savings into my checking account. And so it also kind of feels like this is just something that I do. Like I'm just transferring money into my savings account because that's just like what you do. It's just what I've been told to do. Like I've just been told like you get your paycheck and you transfer money into your savings account. But when you're simply just going through the motions, when you're simply just doing it again, because it feels like an obligation, because it feels like you should, because it feels like that's the rule. It's the black and white box that you've kind of fit yourself into, but you really don't even know what that money's for. There's no purpose to it. There's no vision to it. You don't even know what you're saving for. It just makes it less tangible. And it also makes it so much more enticing and so much easier to dip back into it. This is another amazing, amazing benefit of When you know what you are saving for, you understand the trade-off and almost in a sense, the sacrifice that you are making when you have to dip into that pool of money to use it for something that it actually wasn't intended to be used for. So a lot of you come to me and you say, Paige, how do I get myself to stop dipping in to my savings? one of the best things that you can do is actually get really, really specific with the things that you're saving for. Because when you are simply just shoving money into a savings account and just trying to get that number as big as it possibly can for really no other reason than this is just what I feel like I should be doing, like I should be transferring money into my savings account, there's no pain associated to accessing that money. There's no clear sense of, What you're having to sacrifice to do that. But when you know what you're saving for, that's not the case. When you know what you're saving for, there is a trade off. You're like, oh, okay, well, I'm saving for this trip. So if I have to dip into this money, that's just that much less that I have for this trip. Or that's just that much less that I have for Christmas this year for my kids. That's just that much less that I'm able to put down towards this house or towards this car that I want to buy. So when you can make it more real and make it more tangible, saving will seem so much easier to you and it will be easier to keep that money allocated towards that specific purpose. So this is the part that I told you I was going to read you a little bit of that article. Again, I just thought it was so good. So I just want to read this to you, right? Here's what that article said. It says, what does it mean to save money? The most common answer would be putting money in a savings account. Most people think the act of parking money in a savings account is synonymous with saving money. In fact, a lot of marketing makes us think in terms of accounts because financial institutions benefit from it. And there's nothing wrong with using a savings account, but it's important to focus on the purpose of your money, not just the location. Defining savings based on an account isn't very helpful. So many people put money in a savings account on a rotating basis. When they get paid, they put a little money in savings, not because they're saving for something specific, but because they feel like they're supposed to save money. But by the end of their pay cycle or when their credit card payment comes due, they reach into the savings account to cover their expenses. But they regularly put money in their savings account, so they're saving money, right? No. They're spinning their wheels and they can never get ahead. And that's because they're not saving with a purpose, They're not weighing the trade-offs of when they spend or when they save. So even though their money is physically separated in a savings account, $1 is no different from any other because none of it has a job. Saving money means deferring the use of your money for a later time for a specific purpose. And by that definition, the location doesn't matter at all. It doesn't have to be in a savings account. It can, but it doesn't have to be. If you're not using your money right now and you're giving it a very clear purpose, you are saving it. So that's what the article said. Wasn't that so good? I just want to read that sentence one more time. It says, saving money means deferring the use of your money for a later time for a specific purpose. So good. So the first thing that you can do to make saving really easy and actually feel motivating to you is to know what you're saving for. Now, this is my last hot take before we move on to the next point here. I think that there's a lot of advice in the personal finance space that's a bit redundant. So I'm going to offer you something here just to think about. I know that like one of the very first goals that everyone tells you to work towards, and trust me, I know I'm guilty of this, y'all, okay? But one of the first goals is save up an emergency fund. Everyone's like, you got to have an emergency fund. You got to have a couple thousand dollars in the bank to cover things that come up. Now, is this incredibly important? Yes. In tandem to that, people are also like, have sinking funds, right? Have these things that you're saving for in the future that you know are coming. What I've typically found is that I actually think that you don't need both because I actually think that in a lot of cases, they serve the exact same purpose. And a couple of years ago, I kind of was like looking at our financial situation and I was like, you know what? Like, I actually don't feel like we need this emergency fund. My husband and I had an emergency fund that had like $5,000 in it, but it had been forever since we had had to use it. And when I started evaluating like, why is that? Why has it been forever since we've needed to use our emergency fund? Because trust me, it's not like we haven't had emergencies. It's not like we haven't had stuff come up. I mean, we're homeowners. We have two dogs. We have a daughter. Like, Trust me, there is plenty of stuff that comes up. But when I started to look at it, I was like, oh, it's because every single time something comes up for one of these things, I just use the sinking fund. Like, If I need something for my dogs, I use my dog sinking fund. And if I need something for Palmer, I use the Palmer sinking fund. And if something breaks in our house, I use our house sinking fund. So I've actually gotten to a point where I actually think that you don't really need both. You can pick one or the other, whichever feels best to you. But I don't think you need like a pool of just a couple thousand dollars and then also to have all of these sinking funds. Because in my opinion, what sinking funds are actually your emergency fund broken up Into tiny specific categories or tiny specific purposes. And so I wanna mention that on this point because I think that when it's like, okay, well, how do I do that? How can I make my emergency fund feel more specific? How can I know what I'm saving for? In my mind, I'm like, well, that's actually kind of like sinking funds. So I just wanna make this point. I know I'm kind of going on a bit of a tangent here, but. I just think it's a lot, right? I think it's like we get overwhelmed when people are like, have an emergency fund, have a rainy day fund, have sinking funds. It's like, oh my God, like there's just so many things that I need to be doing and so many things that I need to be saving for. And for me, I'm like, listen, why not pick one? Why not just say, I'm either going to just have this pool of money that I can use for whatever, if you feel like that works for you, or I can actually get more specific and I can start saving my sinking funds for specific things and for specific purposes. And if an emergency does happen with my home or my car or whatever, I will use my designated sinking fund for that. I say this because a lot of y'all have come to me and you've said like, I'm saving up an emergency fund, but it doesn't feel real to me. And I keep dipping back into it. And I think that it's because of this. I think it's because it's just like this random pool of money to you. It doesn't really mean a whole lot to you it's not specific enough. So if that's you, maybe just work on, okay, I'm actually going to work on sinking funds or breaking out my emergency fund in individual categories. Okay, I think we've belabored that long enough. Sorry, I know that, <laughs> I, know we, I know we dove deep on that one, but seriously, y'all, it's so important. Know what you're saving for, it'll make it so much easier. The second point I have for you to make saving easier is you have to make saving a priority. You have to prioritize your savings. So we got two Ps here. We got purpose and priority. Here's what I mean by this. What a lot of people do, my gosh, I don't know if y'all can hear that. Ellie is in the background and she is just snoring up a storm, so I'm so sorry if you can hear that. (laughs) But you have to make saving money a priority within your financial plan. If you do not, it will not happen. It will feel very hard. It will feel difficult. And it probably will feel impossible. For those of you who are like saving feels impossible right now, I can guarantee you it's because you're not making the savings a priority. You are spending first and you are saving second. There's a really popular phrase in the personal finance world that's called pay yourself first. And it's kind of this elusive term that's like, well, what does that even mean? But that's what paying yourself first is y'all. Paying yourself first is is saving first and spending second versus what I would say 90% of people do, which is spend first and save second. Now, there's something really interesting here. I think that there's a reason why this is so important. And I want to tell you about something that's called Parkinson's law, because this is something that actually applies to our time But many people have said that you can take Parkinson's law and apply it to a lot of other areas in your life. And I think that this is absolutely true for money. So Parkinson's law basically says that work will expand to fill the time allotted for its completion. Parkinson's law is in the context of time management. So it's basically saying like, if you have a project or an assignment and you give yourself a week to do it, it's probably going to take the full week to do it. Versus if you're like, I'm going to get this finished today, or I'm going to get this finished in the next hour, you will most likely finish it in the next hour or finish it today. It's just saying whatever size of the container that you give yourself to finish a piece of work, the work will expand to fill that time allotted for its completion. Okay. And I know for me, that's so, so true, but we can also take this and we can apply it to our finances and apply it to our money. And I think this is why so many people get themselves into trouble and people are like, oh, saving so hard and saving is so difficult because what they do is they allow their spending to consume the container that they allot for it. And the container that a lot of people allot for their spending is their entire income, right? It's their entire salary because that's essentially what you're doing. When you say, I'm going to spend first and save second, what you're saying is like, okay, spending, you can basically consume or take up this entire container, which is my entire income. And then if there's anything left over, that's what I'll save. But 99% of the time, and y'all know this, there's nothing left to save because it all gets spent. This is what lifestyle creep is, right? It's like as your income increases, your lifestyle will creep to expand that increased container. So there is kind of like a Parkinson's law with our money and with our spending habits. And if you just go in and you just say like, okay, well, I'm just going to live my life and I'm going to work my lifestyle around my income. And I'm gonna spend first and I'm gonna save whatever's left over. I think that 90% of the time, you're gonna find that there's nothing left to save. And that's because you're not making saving a priority. So, what we have to do is we have to flip the order. We have to say, I'm going to save first and spend second. Saving is going to be the priority. And then, whatever is left over, I will work my lifestyle, my bills, my expenses into that container. And so then whatever's left after that, my spending can essentially expand and completely consume that container after the spending has happened, but that's not going to be the first thing that happens. So you have to make your saving a priority. Now you're like, okay, Paige, how do I do that? Well, I actually teach a concept called the priority of your money, which I've also done a past episode on. That is episode 43. Okay. I just paused and I went and looked. So Episode 43 is called The Priority of Your Money, and the sinking fund episode, in case you want to go listen to that, is episode 51. (laughs) Okay. So 51 is sinking funds, and 43 is the priority of your money. But I teach you to make a priority for your money, and there's five priorities. Priority one is your needs. Priority two is your minimum debt payments. And priority three is funding a financial goal, which that is essentially funding a savings goal or funding you getting out of debt, putting more money up and above your debt. But paying yourself first, it can look like saving money. But really what that means, y'all, is just prioritizing your financial goals to take care of future you up and above anything else then the fourth priority are sinking funds. And then the fifth priority are your money wants or your money loves. Those are the kind of like nice to haves versus the need to haves. But when you are following this priority that I teach you, you will essentially be prioritizing your savings. And that kind of takes me to the third point in this is to automate your savings. Another question that I love to ask and answer is how can I make this outcome inevitable? How can I make prioritizing savings? hitting my savings goals, hitting any financial goal that I set for myself inevitable. And I think that a big way that we do that is we automate it. So that's the third tip that I have for you here to make saving easy. I want you to give it a purpose. I want you to prioritize it in terms of ordering your money. Again, if you need a little bit more detail on that, go listen to episode 43. And then lastly, I want you to automate this process because when you can automate it, It makes it easy for you. It takes steps out of the equation. You don't have to be exerting any energy to make this happen. So what I like to do is I've gone in and I have automated transfers into retirement accounts, into brokerage accounts on the days that we are paid. I'm a really big proponent of that. Do it on the day that you are paid because we essentially want to collapse the amount of time that you have to sabotage that savings goal. So when you can go in and you can set up an automation, like let's just say you're paid on the 15th and the last day of every month, go in and set up your saving automations for the 15th of every single month. So you get that check on the 15th and the money is in and it is right back out again. Again, you're not having to do any work and it makes that savings inevitable. So those are my three tips for you on making saving easy. I want you to know what you're saving for. I want you to get crystal clear on it. I want you to prioritize it. Okay. The savings happens before anything else happens. I want you to think of your savings almost just kind of like another line item in your budget. It's like, I have my bills and I have my savings. This amount goes to my phone bill. This amount goes to my insurance. This amount goes to groceries and this amount goes to savings. And that is happening before we go and spend any money on the more discretionary items. And then I want you to automate. Now, let's move on to exciting. What are some ways that we can make saving exciting? This first one's going to sound a little crazy, but honestly, I actually do think it's helpful. I want to go back to the beginning when I was saying how many of you think that saving feels like a burden. It feels like an obligation. It feels necessary, a requirement. And I actually just want to offer you the thought that saving is optional Saving is optional. Like it really, really is. There's a lot of people out there who don't save any money at all. (laughs) We could find probably millions and millions and millions of examples of people who don't save any money at all. And they're just like, look, like I make money and I spend it. And I'm cool with that. And I know that I'm just going to basically have to work for the rest of my life because I'm not saving anything. So saving money is optional, y'all. It's not something that you have to do. I promise you, you don't have to save money if you don't want to. So knowing that saving is optional, how does that change things for you? Because I'll tell you for me, anytime that something feels like, oh, this is something that I have to do, I always kind of question it. And I'm like, well, why? (laughs) Right? Like, why do I have to? And Having it just be like, well, because you just should, right? Like that's just the role. That's what being a responsible adult is. It's just saving money. Like to me, that's not motivating. That's not exciting. That just feels heavy to me. So when I actually start to look at things and seeing that they are actually optional, I'm like, oh, okay. So this is something that I don't have to do, but I can do it if I want to. I can choose to save money if I want to. And when I know that, okay, this isn't something that you have to do, but it definitely is something that you can do, then my brain goes to, okay, well, why would I choose to do this? Right? Like, what are the benefits for me personally to do this, to save money? And when I actually start to think about it that way, I start to come up with so many amazing reasons that feel so much better to me than this is just something that you have to do. When I think about, okay, saving is optional. And I choose to save, but why do I choose to save? Like, why is that a choice that I've made? It's like, well, I choose to save money because it feels amazing. It feels amazing when an expense arises and I'm ready for it and I'm prepared for it. Savings takes care of the future version of Paige. And I love the future version of Paige and I love taking care of her and hooking her up so that she can live an amazing life. Savings gives me options. Savings gives me freedom. Savings gives me choice. It gives me power. It gives me autonomy. It gives me peace. It gives me security. There are so many amazing reasons that when I really think about why do I choose this and why do I do this, I can come up with so many amazing answers rather than just like, it's a requirement, it's something that I should do, it's the responsible thing to do, it's an obligation, it's necessary. It's like bleh. like how awful, truly, how awful does that feel? But instead you're like, I don't have to do this. Like I really don't have to do this if I don't want to. It's an option on the table that I can choose and in fact, many people do choose it. Many people do. There's a lot of people out there not saving a dime, but I choose to. I choose this for myself. And why? why do I choose to save? So when I can look at saving as like, oh, this is optional and not an obligation, it feels so much more exciting to me. Second point I have here is kind of going back to what we talked about at the beginning. But again, I think the reframe of choosing to look at savings, not as, oh, this is just money that I'm sticking in a savings account, but savings is deferred consumption. I'm like, oh, that's exciting to me. That's really exciting to me because when I'm like saving is deferred consumption, it's like, I'm going to get to spend this money. I'm going to get to go shop eventually. I'm going to get to buy something with this eventually. It's just not right now. I want to read you another kind of blurt from this article because I think that this reframe, when I read this, I was like, whoa, I, I honestly had to read it a couple of times just to get my mind wrapped around this. So if you need to rewind and listen to this back a couple of times, please do so. So it says every dollar is a savings dollar because we're giving every dollar a job. So if saving money means giving every dollar a purpose, no exceptions, that means you are always saving all of your money. The only question is for how long? If you assign money to groceries on Monday and you spend it at the store on Wednesday, you've saved it for five days. If you set money aside on the first of the month for an electric bill that you're going to pay on the 20th, you saved it for three weeks. If you allocate money for next summer's vacation, you're saving it for a year. If you put money in your car repair category, you're saving it, well, hopefully forever, but we all know you're really saving it until the next time your car breaks down, which is sooner than you hope. If you give every dollar a job, every dollar is a savings dollar. It's just a matter of how long you're saving it. Then it goes on to say, this is kind of the interesting part, but if every dollar is a savings dollar, every dollar is a spending dollar too. If everything is savings, the whole idea of savings breaks down. If everything is savings, nothing is savings. Again, saving money is deferring the use of your money for a later time for a specific purpose. Every single time you give your dollars a purpose, no matter what that purpose is, your plan is always to spend it eventually. That means you're never really saving money. Whether you save your money for five days, three weeks, a year, or indefinitely, the purpose is to spend it at the end of that savings period. Even with retirement, it's only a matter of time until you spend it. If you're 25 and you're planning to retire when you're 65, you're saving it for 40 years. But even then, you're still planning to spend it. That's the purpose of your retirement savings, to spend it when you don't want to work as much. Even if you're blessed enough to have money left over after you pass away, you still haven't saved it. You'll spend it by sending that money to your heirs who will save it for a time and then spend it themselves. There's no such thing as saving money because in time, you will spend it all. Okay. Here's the last little part. It says, here's why this matters. If there's no such thing as saving money, deferring the use of your money can actually be fun. You're not saving it. You're getting ready to spend it. Realizing that the purpose of your money is to spend it, makes saving it a joy because you'll actually get to use every dollar to build the life you want. If you give every dollar a job, you stop saving money for all of the unmotivating reasons we listed. You don't have to save out of obligation to your parents, yourself, or society in general. You don't have to save because of a commitment to some arbitrary sense of morality that's not really connected to reality. Instead, you're the one in charge. Your money is yours and you can use it to build yourself up, your family, and your community. If you love the way you spend your money, you can love the way you save it too. Because if you give all your money a very clear purpose, saving, spending, it's all the same. Y'all, isn't that crazy (laughs) to think about? I'm telling you, I had to read this a couple of times and I was like, whoa, whoa. Again, I'm not gonna read that back through because I know it took a while, but just like if you have to rewind it a couple of minutes and re listen to that, please do. But to me, that just makes saving so much more excited when you're like saving and spending aren't enemies to each other. They're compliments to each other. They're almost kind of like sisters. It's like by doing one, you're technically doing the other. They're not things that are working against each other. They work for each other. And especially, too, I'll say this, right? Like, especially if it's longer term savings that you're investing, if you are saving a dollar and you are investing it, maybe like in a 401k or an IRA, and you're like, look, the plan isn't to use this money for another 30, 40, 50 years. It's even more fun, and it's even more exciting because it's like not only am I saving this dollar right now, but by the time I go to use it and spend it, this one dollar will have had kind of like money babies. It will have duplicated and multiplied a couple of times over. So by saving this money today, I'm actually creating, you know, seven, eight, ten dollars for myself down the road. Just remember, It's exactly what he said in this article. It really comes down to asking the question, how long? To me, I'm like, the question isn't, should I save or should I spend? Because it's like, you're technically doing both always, right? Which I know is a little trippy to think about. But the question is, when do I want to spend this money? How long do I want to keep it? Whether it's a day, a week, a month, a year, or 40 years, it really just boils down to how long do I want to keep this money and when do I want to spend it? I think when we can view saving as optional, I think when we can reframe it and view it as okay, saving is deferred consumption. Either way, I get to spend, either way, I get to save. Really, in a sense, I'm kind of always doing both, right? They are not enemies of each other. They are complements to each other. A dollar that I save is simply just a dollar that I get to spend in the future. It becomes so much more exciting. Now, here's my last tip for you. This is kind of a tangible one. If you don't have a high-yield savings account yet, you really, really, really should consider getting one because... I think that it's so exciting every single month when your statement process is over, when you get to log into your savings account and you get to see like free money that's just been deposited into your savings account. To me, that's super, super, super exciting. Now, if you bank with Chase, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, which I know probably a lot of you do because those are like the big boys, the heavy hitters, if you have a savings account with them, you are basically making nothing on your savings account right now. I actually looked it up before I started recording. They're basically at like 0.01% on their savings accounts. What I would highly recommend that you do is consider opening up a high yield savings account that you can park your emergency fund or maybe your rainy day fund. If you are currently working on saving up a large sum of money for something, maybe a home down payment, or maybe to go back, maybe for tuition, for further education, things like that and it's just sitting in a savings account that's only making you like 0.01%, move that money. Okay. Open up a high yield savings account. It takes like five minutes to do. There's tons and tons of options. I'm going to give you a couple suggestions here. These are the ones currently that right now have the highest rates. So Citizens Bank is at 4.5%. City is at 4.35%. Discover is at 4.3%. Amex is at 43 And Ally, Ally is who I use. I have been an Ally customer for, gosh, I don't even know how long at this point, probably close to 10 years. But Ally is at 4.25%. Every single month I go in and we have our rainy day fund sitting in an Ally high yield savings account. And every single month I go in and it's basically like free money. It's so fun. and It's so exciting. I'm like, oh, thank you. Now, listen, you're not going to get rich off of the interest that you earn on a high yield savings account. Okay. This is not meant to be a substitute for investment income that you are actually investing into a security, like an index fund or a mutual fund or bonds or stocks or things like that. But my thing is, is I'm like, look, if you're gonna have a pool of money sitting out there, you might as well have it in a high yield savings account where you could be making something. Something because the difference between making 4.25%. And making 0.01% is like a 400 times difference, y'all. Now, I want to say this too. Sometimes people ask me, like, "What's the catch?" Like, people are a little weary because it sounds too good to be true. People, you know, sometimes they're like, "If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is." Blah blah blah. I'm like, "Listen, there's no catch. There's really not. The reason that places like Discover, Amex, City, Ally Bank." Are able to offer rates like this is because they don't have the overhead of a traditional bank. So think about like a Wells Fargo or a Chase or a Bank of America that has physical branches everywhere. They have infrastructure that they have to keep up, they have thousands upon thousands of employees working at these branches that they have to pay. Like a traditional bank just has so much more overhead and so much more costs and expenses than like an ally. Ally doesn't have physical branches. They don't have physical locations. They are an online bank. Same with Amex, same with Discover. Now they obviously offer other financial products, but the reason that they're able to offer savings accounts with interest rates this high is because it's just a different business model they don't have the expenses to worry about like a traditional bank does. So they can offer you much more competitive rates and give that money back to you as one of their customers. Citizens Bank, City, Discover, Amex, Ally. You can literally just go to Google. Like How I found that information is I went to Google and I Googled best high yield savings account October, 2023. And these are the ones that came up. So you can go do that as well and it will take you right there. But again, when you have your money sitting in a place where you know it's at least making something, it's exciting. It really is. It's really cool when you get to see in and be like, ooh, look at this money. Look at my interest deposit. That's so fun. So y'all, that's what I have for you this week. I really hope that by the end of this episode, saving feels something that feels doable to you, feels easy to you, and feels exciting to you. And here's what I want to sign off with, okay? I really want to challenge all of you. And my this is me. I'm Trust me, I'm giving this advice to myself in the current climate that we're in. Because I understand that right now with the state of the world and the state of the economy and everything, honestly, just feeling at times like it's so out of control, I understand how easy it can be to spiral into this mindset of like, well, everything's so expensive, inflation this, inflation that, groceries are crazy and gas is crazy and this is crazy and that is crazy. And I just want to remind all of us, and again, I'm talking to myself here, that we are all in control of the narrative that we are going to assign to all of that. And I don't think we need to be delusional. I don't think we need to basically ignore the fact that from a very circumstantial and factual standpoint, yes, things are definitely more expensive than they used to be. But I also think that we don't need to use that as an excuse or as a crutch just to say, and because of that, savings is impossible. And because of that, I'm not going to be able to do this. Yes, you might not be able to save as much today as you've been able to save maybe three years ago, right? When the cost of goods were a lot lower, but it still doesn't make it impossible. There is still a lot that we can do. There are a lot of ways that we can get really creative. There's always ways that we can open ourselves up to more possibilities. Because when you sit there and you tell yourself, this is hard, this is impossible, I can't do this, this is an obligation, this is a requirement, of course you're not going to save. Of course you're not. That is not a mindset or an energetic set point that is going to make this feel like something that you want to do that you're motivated to find solutions to do. So I really challenge you, just watch where your brain wants to take you here. I don't think it means we need to be pie in the sky. I don't think it means we need to be ignorant or naive about the state of what's happening. But I also think that it comes to a point where it just becomes counterproductive. It's like, look, these are the cards that we've been dealt. How can we make the absolute best of it? Even if our best today doesn't look like our best from three years ago, there's still a lot that we can do here. So just be careful, be vigilant over what you allow to run through that mind of yours, because everything stems from that. Every result that you are going to be able to create with your money is going to be a result of your mindset around money. So you have to be hyper, hyper vigilant, around what you allow your brain to think. Your brain can offer you thoughts, but it's just your thoughts. You don't have to believe and you don't have to buy into everything your brain thinks. Okay. You are not your thoughts. You are just the thinker of them. I think it's important that we always remind ourselves of that. All right. That's what I have for you this week. Love you all so, so dearly. I will see you in next week's episode. Have a fantastic week. I love y'all. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Money Love Podcast. If you're loving the podcast, then I want to invite you to join me in the Overcoming Overspending membership. It's where we take this work deeper and apply the concepts and coaching from each week's episode into your own life. By being a member, you have exclusive access to my Overcoming Overspending process, 10 monthly live coaching calls with me, a private podcast, members-only community, monthly money topic and challenge, bonus courses, and so much more. There's nowhere else like it out there to level up your finances and life. Simply go to overcomingoverspending.com to join and you can enter in the code MLP30 at checkout to save $30 on your first month inside the membership. See you inside.